Somebody say, today, today. is Pentecost. Now, now, it really is. I understand that Pentecost is every day, but today on your calendar is called the day of Pentecost. It's called the day of Pentecost because it is 50 days from Passover. Are you with me, church? Say amen. amen. If you'll notice that today on the cover of your worship guide is an advertisement for tonight as well, as well as the title of This Is Us. And is it amazing that we're in part 23? CJ. I'm in part 23 of the same series, brother. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. That's insane. Nobody's ever, all the preachers that preach books to teach you how to make sermons, nobody's ever said, hey, the way to be successful is preach a series that's a hundred parts long. Most of them say you can't keep people's attention span past three or four parts of a series, and you got to come up with something fresh and new. But we're a part of something that's not just a sermon. This is a movement. Come on, somebody. This is us. Somebody shout, this is us. And for 23 weeks, we've been telling you who we are. Not just in this house, but the body of Christ, what the body of Christ should be. But we are declaring in this house who we are in this house. Amen. So today, about a week and a half ago, when I started working on this message, I started thinking about, I started to call it, this is us, we celebrate Pentecost, or we are Pentecostal. But, but I heard the Lord say, no, you're going to call it, this is us, we are Pentecost. Somebody say, we are. Pentecost. Now, before you judge me that this is heresy and how can you equate yourself with Pentecost? You're just a human being. I know that. But can I just go ahead and, spoiler alert, I'll just go ahead and tell you what I meant by that and then I'll preach my message. Here's the reality. What is Pentecost? It is the manifestation, listen to me, of the presence and the breath of God, not just coming in, but coming on mankind and giving him, according to the words of Jesus, Acts 1a, power, dunamis, dynamite, dynamo power. Are you hearing me? To be his witness. Did you hear that? Not our witness. How many of us, when you talk about going out and witnessing and being a witness, you ain't being a witness for yourself. You are being a witness for him. So therefore, the manifestation and the evidence that God is here, oh, you ain't hearing me, is us. We are the evidence. People all the time say, well, you know what? I'd believe in God if you could just show me some evidence. You know what I tell them? Look at me. I, you may not like what you see. But if you knew where I was, if you knew what I had done, if you knew what I deserved, and you saw me living a life of joy, forgiveness, peace, I'd be all the evidence you need. I've said it so many times in this church that I, I started saying this back in a little white building. The world says, the church says the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but I say it's going to hell in a bobsled. I've said that so many times. Amy got up here preaching. She said, you know what everybody always says? The world's going to hell in a bobsled. Oh, wait a minute. But she couldn't even say it. But what I'm, I'm not making fun of her. I'm just saying I've pounded that into y'all so much that now I want to say it again. The world is going to hell on the speed of a bobsled. And if somebody don't step up and listen, you don't want to stand in front of a bobsled on your own. 
it will truck you. Are you hearing me? But when you have Pentecost power on you, I don't care who's in authority uh, uh, in the White House. I don't care who's, who's saying what and saying this on Twitter and, and YouTube and all that. I don't care if they're multi-billionaires and they have more resources than I'll ever have. I've got a force on me and in me. I wish I had a church that helped me. I got to save my voice. I ain't preached as much as I've preached in the last week and a half in, in years, but I got to prepare for what's coming, Randy. Come on, come on. Y'all, church, y'all understand that I'm about to move into a season, this church is about to move into a season that you ain't the only folks I'm going to be preaching to. Come on. Uh-huh. Now, somebody say, I am, I am. the evidence that God is here walking among us. Now, I am, I am not God. You're not God. There's two sure things in life. One, there is a God, and two, you're not him. But I want to show you something over the next hour and three minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was shocked when I looked up there. Acts chapter 2. Holy Ghost headquarters. Turn in your Bible. Some of y'all need, you know what, I, I love technology. I love it, man. Y'all, everybody knows me. I love technology. I love reading the Bible on my phone. I love using my tablet. One of the reasons I love using my tablet is I'm blind in the natural, and I don't like wearing reading glasses. And I got to have, if I was to just open this up right now, I'd need to have one of them Bibles like you used to sit on your grandma's uh, table that had letters about that big. I mean, that thing would be about that big sitting on this pulpit for me to read that. I mean, I could see it, but I got to really concentrate. But I miss the days of when the preacher said, turn to Acts, and this is what you heard. You remember those days, David, when you could hear all over the church? Preacher would say, shout amen when you get there. Somebody shout, I'm there. Now all you do is say, Siri, Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, are you there? Shout, I'm there. You say, of course I'm there. You put it on the screen. When the day of Pentecost had what? Fully come. They were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly, woo, see, I love my church. Y'all getting there now. I didn't have to tell you to shout suddenly. You shouted it on your own. Suddenly. There came a sound, that's what Pastor Sandy preached Wednesday night, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Oh, by the way, did those three ladies preach fire Wednesday night? If you were not here, my God. Huh? We learned about the power of grace from Amy. We learned about you might need an oil change from Sister Regina. Come on, somebody. She said, she said, if you feel that stuff and it's got junk in it, you better do something because you might be headed for a breakdown. Come on, somebody. I said, good God Almighty. Pastor Sandy told us before anything powerful is ever released, there has to first come a sound. We've got too quiet. We've got too quiet. We've been, no wonder there's no power in our church. We're quiet. 
Before the Lord ever sent the rushing mighty wind, before he ever sent the fire, he sent a sound. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it didn't just hop on a couple of people. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm going to show you why it did that. Then there appeared. How many know sometimes you got to praise him and receive something long before there's any evidence in the natural? Nobody saw anything until after the experience. See, you can't look at me and know what I'm going through, good or bad. Some of y'all can huck a buck and Holy Ghost chicken, and you ain't even living for Jesus. Some of y'all stand there like a gnaw on a log. Everybody in the church is going, what's wrong? Boy, I tell you what, I'm worried about them. And on the inside, you are, you are talking with God. You can't judge a book by its cover. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. Notice, this ain't what I'm preaching, but you need to get this nugget. Notice it wasn't one big giant fireball at the top of the, of, of the building, and which would have meant the building was on fire. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. See, that's the problem with revivals. We call the revival after the name of the church building. I ain't going to say any particular revivals, but think of some of the famous revivals. What do they call those revivals? It's either the church name or the city followed by revival. So what does that do to us? That tells the whole world, no matter where you live, that you need to spend thousands of dollars to get on a plane to get to that city so that you can experience revival. Am I preaching right to y'all this morning? But he didn't call it the upper room revival. He didn't even call it the Jerusalem revival. In fact, when revival hit the upper room, he told them to get out of the building. <laughs> he said, don't you put something on the sign out there and try to get people to come here to experience this. You need to take what you got and take it to them. I don't care if you like it. I'm just preaching the Bible. I'm trying to get through my scripture. That's half of page one. I have five pages. It fell upon each one of them. How many of those God wants to send an individual revival to you? Do you know you can sit in a church service and you could be mad at the world, mad at the preacher, offended by everything he's saying, sitting right next to somebody who's operating in the joy of the Lord, loves you, loves Jesus, and is absolutely eating everything that is being served from this pulpit going, my God, it's the most powerful sermon I ever heard in my life. You can have individual depression Suicidal thoughts sitting right next to somebody in the same building having an individual breakthrough and revival. It ain't up to God. It's up to the individual. Do you understand that if I, do, you have been coming to this church long enough, you have heard the preaching of your pastor long enough, you have seen my heart and my passion for you long enough to know that if I could throw on you what's on me, 
whether you liked it or not, I would do it. That's how much I love you. But I can't make you get it. I can't make you buy into it. Woo. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the holy breath of God, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. My Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for everything that you have already done, said, and moved in this house. I'm asking for your anointing on me. Your word is anointed, but I need your anointing. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Now watch this, watch this. I got, uh, this, is, this is something powerful. This passage of Acts chapter 2 is famous for a lot of reasons. But the main reason that this passage is famous is for what happened after suddenly. That's what preachers preach about they they preach out of Acts chapter 2 because they want to preach about speaking in tongues the baptism of the holy ghost the establishment of the new testament church the, they call it holy ghost headquarters because of what happened after suddenly and you we listen we need to preach that because that's when the church was birthed that's when there was such power on a man who just a few weeks earlier had cursed God three times and denied that he even knew him. And now he's on the street saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. The boldness and the anointing that came on those 120 after the suddenly moment is the reason why we are in this building today worshiping and talking about Jesus Christ. Because he, even though I know it's God's word, and even though I know it was God that breathed on man to write the word, it was man that wrote the word. Under the inspiration of God. It was not Jesus after his three and a half years of preaching. He preached for three and a half years, but after that, he didn't preach anymore. He didn't evangelize the world. Mankind evangelized and is evangelizing the world. Through what happened after suddenly. Are you with me? Say amen. But I want to tell you today what you can't miss. You can't miss this. There is no suddenly or after suddenly without what happened before suddenly. The key to you having a suddenly moment with God, the key to our church suddenly growing, I heard Rod Parsley, part of his message this morning, too. He was preaching about, you know, I've been following him since 1991. His ministry, him and Clint Brown, changed my life. But, you know, he didn't start pastoring in 1991. Nobody knew what he had to go through before he got in that big building. How many of those, he didn't start as a teenage boy and build that big old giant 5,000-seat sanctuary. But listen to what he said. He said, I was, I forgot what he said, 18, 19 years old, whatever. He said, I was praying and believing God and crying out to God for a 180-seat sanctuary. 
He said, I wanted to build a building, and my vision was to build a chapel and a sanctuary that could seat 180 people. I was loving that vision. And he said, in just a few years later, no, it had to be in, it had to be in uh, 20 or 21. Because he said, eight years later, just eight years later from believing God for a 180-seat sanctuary, at 29 years old, I was building and dedicating the largest sanctuary north of the Mason-Dixon line and east of the Mississippi River at 29 years old. Because what happened was God, he, he, I've been up there years ago, we drove to his original building, and it's literally slap dab in the middle of a cornfield. Am I right? In the middle of a cornfield. There's corn all around that, but they still own that building. That's part of their Bible college. It's just a cornfield. But God found a group of faithful people in Columbus, Ohio, and brought a suddenly moment that took a ministry in a cornfield and elevated them to a place almost overnight that would impact the world. Why can't we believe that God can do a suddenly moment in this house and one Sunday we can have 250 to 300 people and the next Sunday we are equipping 500 people and the next Sunday we got to go back to two services because there's a thousand people and the next Sunday, come on. Why can't we believe that? Oh, but pastor, I like, this is almost too big for me right now. Because, you know, you know, I like that small church feel. I, I like to come in and see the same people handing me a worship guide. Well, how about this? I bet one of those same people that you've been seeing for the last three years handing out a worship guide would like to have a break. Why don't, you get, why don't you get on the team and hand out a worship guide? Give that joker a break. That ain't what I was trying to say, but it just came out. Huh? But I tell you what, Pastor, if this church was running a thousand, I just don't know if I could come because I'd be afraid, you know, what might happen to you. You you might become one of them TV preachers and and you know, you know, all the next thing I know, you'd be talking about buying an airplane and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'd just rather us stay. You be my pilot, David. My God. Whoa. No, you can't even drive. <laughs> your daughter talking about you. She said you can't even drive your truck. No, just. Oh, Lord. Why would God put us in this building if he did not want us to use it to its fullest ability? Huh? 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 You know what? If you believe that, if you believe God wants us to continue having ropes in the back so everybody feel like they're sitting in a crowd in the front, that's confusion, and God's not the author of confusion. He should have just left us where, he, where we were. <laughs> My God, I'm telling you. I think what I need to do, Jim, is from now on, not go to bed on Saturday nights till one or two o'clock in the morning, get up at six o'clock in the morning, and I'll preach with a fire like I ain't preached with in forever because the Holy Ghost has got me propped up right now. Huh? I don't even know how I'm walking.
You can't have a suddenly without what came before suddenly. Now, now listen. Wednesday night during worship, God did a download in me. Right there on this stage, never thought it, never heard it, never read it. Rama hit me. And when I said it, for those of us in here Wednesday night, y'all thought I'd already thought about it. Or you thought I'd heard it somewhere. I literally, how many know sometimes, preachers know what I'm talking about. Sometimes things will come on you and you will shock yourself. And you'll know it's right and biblical, but you'll be inside. You got to be all cool and anointed. You got to my God, you'll just preach. But in the side, you're going, good Lord. What in the world? I, I need to go back there and dance right now and follow my faith. That is incredible. That's a word. But you got to be like, did y'all hear what I just said? I've been, I've been on my face before Jesus seeking God for you. Did you hear what I just said? And on the inside, I'm like, yeah, I just heard what you said, and it was awesome. Because I didn't say it. Holy Ghost said it. He said this to me. Of all the holidays, that will ever be on your calendar. Religious holidays. That have any kind of religious connotation to them. Easter. Christmas. Thanksgiving. Are you hearing me? There is only one holiday. That every single time it falls on your calendar. It falls on the exact actual biblical date that it is supposed to be. Only one. We celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we don't know when he, when he we know it was around Passover, but we don't know the actual day that Passover fell on that, and the three days later, we don't own our calendar. We don't know that actual day. We know when Passover falls every year, but Passover changes every year, depending on the lunar cycle. Passover does not fall on the exact same day on our calendar, which is called the Gregorian calendar. It's based on the Jewish calendar and the lunar calendar. It never falls on the same day. Are you hearing me? So therefore, we can't strategically find the exact resurrection Sunday because we don't know when Passover was on that day. Now, so Passover moves on the calendar. Christmas, I hate to bust your bubble, but Jesus was not born on December 25th. Okay, it's just the day that we honor and remember that. But Pentecost literally means 50 days from Passover. So no matter where Passover moves on the Jewish and lunar calendar and wherever it falls on our Gregorian calendar, when we look at our calendar every year, it will happen again in 2020, I don't know the exact day, when we see Pentecost 2020, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the day of Pentecost has fully come again. Oh, you ain't getting this. See, what you got to get today is that is not something I'm just reading today. You are experiencing it right now. This is the day that Pentecost has fully come in 2019. Y'all ain't hearing me. See, it changes everything when you realize, I know every day we're Pentecostal, but it changes everything when you understand the power of this day and how awesome is it 
And literally, we didn't even think this and didn't even plan it and didn't even look at it when, we, when it fell this way. How awesome is it that on the day of Pentecost, we will be graduating students tonight from three years, ordaining, watch this, 22 ministers and pastors tonight. Plus ordaining six lead team members of pastors of other congregations that lead ambassadors network and commissioning and ordaining your pastor as bishop. All on the day of Pentecost. Do you want, I didn't know Amy was going to say all that, but let me just say this. Do you want to look back on 2019? And say, when the day of Pentecost, the evening on the day of Pentecost had fully come, I watched Netflix. When the day of Pentecost had fully come and my church was apostolically raising up and sending forth ministers to change the world, I went out to eat. I slept in and took a nap in my chair. Because the next part, you also are fulfilling right now. There's three ingredients to Holy Ghost outpouring. There was three ingredients that brought the suddenly. One was the day of Pentecost had fully come. Somebody say, it's today. So you're living, number one. Every year on this day, you get to live. There's three things, three elements that are made available to you. Number one, you're living it because the day of Pentecost has fully come. The next thing is that they were in one place. Now watch this. How many knows we're in one place? Now your mind may be somewhere else, but your body's in one place. Uh-huh. See, some of you, here's where some of you are right now, Twitter and Facebook. I see your face glowing, and you're trying to make me think that you're reading the Bible. But I'm not reading the Bible right now. Huh? Now, I know some of you taking notes and all that. Don't get all upset. I'm messing with you. I know we live in a world that we don't really know, but if I see this, then I know you ain't taking notes. And if I see this, I know you ain't taking notes. Huh? I think we need to appoint a pastor of social media accountability. And their ministry is to sit right here in a big high chair and watch the congregation and have all of your numbers and text you and going, I see what you're doing. Now watch this. The day of Pentecost has fully come. Number one, say, I'm here. I'm here. The second part is already done for you. You're in one place. They were in one place on the day of Pentecost has fully come. Both of them, when you show up to church, has been provided for you in that building. So every single person, listen to me, within the sound of my voice in this building, not watching my live stream, sorry, I know some of you couldn't be here, but if your heart is here, I'm concluding you. But if you're being lazy and sitting home, I'm not talking to you. But everyone that is in this building has today relived two of the three elements that was found in Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost 
had fully come. It's today. They were all in one place. It's today. Now, all of you have done that today. Give yourself a hand. Good job, guys. But the third and the most difficult one will not be accomplished by everyone in this room. Everyone is in one place on the day of Pentecost when it fully come. But the next element was the most important. They were in unity and in one accord. They were all of the same mind, all of the same heart, singing praises through everything, and nothing was distracting in them. And when those three elements came into place, suddenly. Notice, listen to me, the most powerful of the three is not the day of Pentecost fully coming because there was no suddenly. They, listen, they, if that was the case, the moment that the sun went down on 6 o'clock the day before, they were in that day. Pentecost began at 6 o'clock last night. That's the way it is, from sundown to sundown. That's how the Jewish calendar. So at 6 p.m. the day before, last night, if we were going to be thinking that that was the important key, then the Holy Ghost would have suddenly came the moment they moved into the day of Pentecost. So it wasn't the day of Pentecost fully come that did it. See, the only reason that's so powerful is because we have taken on that name to identify what happened at suddenly. Pentecost had been happening all the way back to when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Come on, y'all hear me. It's a, it, was, it, was a, it was a harvest feast is what Pentecost really is. It's a time to give praise for the harvest that is coming in. It's the summer harvest festival is all, all it was. So there was nothing special and supernatural about Pentecost. Are you hearing me, church? It wasn't the fact that they were all in one place because they had been in one place for at least a week. They heard 500 men plus women and children all heard the command, but somehow they got down to 120. But we know that the 120, when you look at 50 days and you count it out, you know at least they were in one place for a week because God said, don't leave till you shall receive the promise of the Father. So it wasn't the fact that they were all in the same place, and it wasn't the fact that it was the day of Pentecost that had fully come because both of them things hit together at 6 p.m. at sundown the night before. The reason suddenly happened was the third element. When they all got in unity, is that not what Psalm 133 says, how beautiful it is? When the brethren dwell together, that word dwell means operate, live, and do life together in unity and he goes on to talk about what it's like, the, the oil that went down Aaron's beard and, and the, the dew on Mount Hermon. But then he says, it is there. Somebody shout there. Yeah. Where, where, where? Unity. It is there. Go back and read. This is Old Testament. Psalm 133. It is there that I will command my blessing. I will command it. I will dictate that it has to come. What is his blessing? I know I had an hour to preach today, but it still ain't enough. What is his blessing? Don't forget that Jesus 
is all God, but he operated as man. And when he was baptized in the river Jordan by his cousin, John the Baptist, and John said, no, 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 no. I can see the glory on you already. I can see you in a way. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Oh, you need to baptize me. Jesus said, no, 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 no. This needs to happen because I need to teach those that's going to come after me the process to come to me, suffer to be so. And when he went down in the water and Jesus came back up out of the water, a voice from his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and something came from the father how about this listen I know Jesus is the word of God he didn't all of a sudden be introduced to the Holy Spirit it is his spirit it is his breath but he it was already within him because that's who he is he's spirit God is spirit and them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth but on the flesh he was telling us and showing us something has to happen on the flesh not just in the flesh, if you're going to fight the devil on the level that I'm about to fight the devil, and a blessing and a promise came from the Father and sat down on Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus, even though he was always God, didn't begin to be God, from that moment, he, his persona, his, his countenance, his walk changed. The Bible said he came up out of the water and starts head. I know he was God before then, but he was trying to teach this is what happens when you have a suddenly moment. Even though he's God, he didn't need a suddenly moment. Don't twist my words. He was trying to illustrate and show us, man, when this happens to you, everything is going to change. He come up out of that water. He said, John, I love you, but I ain't got time to talk to you anymore. The Bible said he walked up that mountain. He said, hey, devil, where you at? Come on. Come on, devil. Tell me. Give me your best stuff. What you got? Whoa. You don't try to tell me turn a stone into bread. Oh, man, shall not live by bread alone. He starts rebuking the devil. For 40 days, he don't eat or drink nothing. The Bible said after 40 days, watch this. The, go back and read Luke chapter 4. He said, and he came down off of that mountain in power. It's the same word that he uses in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Walks into the temple said, give me that book of Isaiah. God, I ain't got time for this. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's going to me to preach the gospel to the poor. I am the Messiah. Boom. Come on, try to walk out. They tried to kill him. They, he sat down in Elijah's chair. He said, this day, you keep doing that, my God, I'm going to go to another level. This day, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ear. Sit down. Sit down. Watch this. Tarry ye in Jerusalem. Till you shall receive what? The promise of the Father. The blessing of the Father. Psalm 133. It is there that I will command my blessing. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of life. See, I ain't talking about a goosebump. 
I ain't talking about a, ooh, look at the Holy Ghost, my hair standing up on. Come on, I was raised in that church. I was raised, in, look, I ain't got nothing against my church. I love my church. We just didn't know better. Nobody ever took the time to teach those preachers that there's more than just this. Huh? We just thought we'd sit in the mirror and learn how to do that. I tried to do that when I first got the call to preach, and I, I almost had whiplash. I ain't kidding. It hurt my neck. I was standing in my little, I stand in my little single-wide trailer. 1989, 1990, I'd grab a hairbrush. I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, the Lord's going to bless you today. And I'd be like, God, that hurts. How do they do it? You know what I mean? Well, they told me that when I'm anointed, it won't hurt me. Because if you fall out of the power and the anointing, it won't hurt you. That is a bunch of you know what. I've been thrown across a room by the Holy Ghost, and I've been thrown across a room by devils coming out and slam my head up against the side of a pew, and everybody's just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. He's all right. He's all right. And I remember looking up and going, I am not all right. I'm hurting. I thought I was bleeding. So here's the thing. You, this is what this means to you. Your suddenly is 100% up to you. 100%. It is never up to God. It ain't just that you got to wait till the day of Pentecost is fully come because you got to understand something about Pentecost. The reason we call ourselves Pentecostal is because we believe that when the day of Pentecost fully come and the suddenly happen, the day of Pentecost has fully come every day now because he's not just coming on us. He's in us. He dwells with us and is available to us 24-7. So here's number one. Every day you wake up, the day of Pentecost has fully come. Y'all hear me? Number one. But I don't get to go to church every day. I don't get to go to church every day. Wait a minute. Number two. Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you are the church. <laughs> You say, well, I ain't got nobody to agree with me. You and God are a majority. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. So every day is the day of Pentecost. Every day you have to make a decision. Watch this. On where you are going to dwell that day. You may hate the, your, the guts of your boss, but if, if that's your job that you're in right now, you get to decide whether you judge that place. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I think some of y'all getting it. See, it don't matter who's in the place. It don't matter who's raking you over the coals. They don't get to decide how you look at the place. It's either 
It's either a hell hole to you or it is the mission field to you. My God, I wish I had a church. I wish I had a church that wanted to hear the word of God. I wish I had a church. Jesus. That's what Pentecost was anyway. It was a harvest festival. That's why Jesus said, quit praying for the harvest. Just open your eyes and look. The fields are already wider to harvest. I ain't got no problem with harvest. What I got a problem with is labors in the harvest. Some of y'all going to get up in the morning. Y'all going to say something like this. Oh, God, it's Monday. Some of y'all going to get up and go, oh, God, it's Monday. Hallelujah. Thank God it's Monday. That means I get to change the environment. That means I get to today. Oh, Monday, the day of Pentecost has fully come today. Woo! I can't wait to get in that one place. Sit down, sit down. I got I to finish this. See, it's up to you. It's up to you. The environment of how you look at the environment of your house, of your home. Now listen, I'm talking to parents in here. Now I'm one of them. Raising kids ain't easy. Now I'm going to tell you something. To those who's ever been in the ministry, raising preacher's kids. Now watch this. I'm not talking about it's not easy for me. It's not easy for them. It's hard life for them. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm stepping on my own toes. Your kids, how you talk about your kids and the hurt and the frustration that your kids put you through, they will become not just in the world, and in their own mind, what you say about them. But when they're grown and they're moved out, if you're not careful what you say, you will create a permanent identity of the house that God chose you to lead that doesn't even exist anymore. They have grown up and moved on and trying to live a life as good people. They may not be exactly who you want them to be, but you are still stuck in calling the environment of your house the way it used to be instead of the way God wants you to, to declare that it can be. And I'm preaching to myself. It got quiet in here. Y'all thought I was ready to end this thing when y'all was all standing up shouting. But how many wants to know the full word? Y'all shouted me down when I called your workplace the harvest field. But you got quiet when I called your home the harvest field. You got quiet when I started meddling. 
Oh, I was preaching then, but now I'm meddling. But can I tell you something? The Bible says this. How can a man leave the house of God? Now, don't, don't mistake that to mean he's just talking about preachers and bishops and apostles and, pa and pastors. He's talking about anybody. How many of we all call ourselves leaders every time we preach? I am a leader. I will take notes, right? So how can a man or a woman lead in the house of God if he cannot lead his own household? That's what the Word of God said. Now, everything might not be perfect, and everything might not be lined up, and they might not all be living like they're supposed to be living. Some of them are heathens, come on. Some of them are addicted to things and doing things that you know ain't of God. But what are you calling that environment? You ain't got no problem on Sunday morning looking at your kids and say, get up, we're going to church. You have named this place church. You ever said something like this? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I just need, I need some church. I have. I can't tell you the times I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, I feel dirty, nasty. I done messed up. I done done some stupid things. I just need some church. See, what I've done is created an atmosphere of expectancy that when I come in this house, no matter what I've done, no matter where, what I've gone through, no matter what the hell I'm going through right now, can I get an amen? No matter how I feel in my body, no matter what I've said about myself or what anybody else has said about me, I have created an expectancy that when I come in solid rock, I'm going to encounter Pentecostal Holy Ghost fire. I'm going to be changed. But yet, you will leave an environment like this and start declaring over your own environment before you ever leave the parking lot, you will create also an attitude of expectancy that is nothing like what you created about this. You will say, well, you know what? That was awesome, but I, I got to go home to hell. See, when you walk in the room, Pentecost has fully come to that room. Oh, you ain't hearing me. You ain't hearing me, church. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying. Listen, when I walk in Munoz today, the day of Pentecost has fully come to Munoz. Huh? Because I'm in it. How do I know God is in this house? I'm here. How do I know miracles are going to happen? I'm here. How do I know the anointing's in the house? I'm here. Now, if y'all if y'all haven't heard all of that and you think I'm calling myself God, you ain't heard nothing. I'm just saying I'm here. He's here because I'm here because he's in me. People back here at the computer are going, Lord, have mercy. They have no idea. He's just at the top of page two. They're, they're scrolling right now going, where is this going? I do have all day. I ain't going home today. I'll be at church all day into the night tonight. See. 
until you understand that whatever room or ever situation you walk into, the day of Pentecost has fully come to that day or that situation, you ain't never going to get to victory. Because what you'll do is what so many people have done over generations upon generations in the church. They have equated this place as the place where you encounter God. And it's, it's crazy to me how we would so let our guard down and become different people in our own private space than we would ever let anybody see in this place. You watch things, listen to things, do things, say things, and go to places that, that you would never want the person sitting next to you know that you do and say. I'm telling you, I know everybody's not this way, but y'all change when you see me. I'm telling you, y'all change when you see me. I can see you from a distance and you don't know I'm coming. I can read lips, y'all. And sometimes I can see stuff coming out of your mouth before I ever get there when you fussing at your kids and stuff and you ain't, you ain't calling them blessed. Come on, somebody. You ain't calling them highly favored. They got anointed a destiny on their life. You ain't saying, son, I want you to know you got a destiny on your life. But I walk up and you ain't speaking in tongues either. I woke up, you see me, Pastor Larry, Pastor, what's up? Hey, baby, say hey to Pastor. Say, hey. Tears rolling down his face, his eyes all swelled because he just got the fire beat out of him. He don't want to say hey to Pastor. Say hey to Pastor, that's Pastor Larry. Praise God, bless God, praise the Lord, Pastor, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, highly favored. Bless him, highly favored. Everything about it. I'll tell you what I got up this morning. I said, thank you, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. Ain't that right, buddy? Ain't that right, baby? He looking at you going, side eye. Huh? I ain't, listen, I ain't judging people. I, listen, please don't understand. I'm not being critical. If, if, you, if you have an addiction as far as smoking cigarettes or whatever like that, I'm not being critical of that. I'm not up here preaching about cigarettes and stuff. But I'll see people, man, I'll tell you what, you'll smoke around everybody else. When you see me, you keep a pocket air freshener in your pocket, and you do, you blowing air, you stuffing things down, you blowing cologne all over you. I mean, it's like, first of all, I wouldn't care if I walked up to you and you smoke it. I'd still talk to you just like, I ain't going to judge you. But you put more power on what I think about you and what the people in this building thinks about you when the truth is the one we serve is omnipresent. Who you really are is when nobody's looking. It ain't who you are on this stage or at the front door or in the parking lot or even in this church. I've seen people speak in tongues while they're stabbing me in the back. I've had people stand up and give a message in tongues, and the Lord said, they're a devil. Tell them to sit down. One of them stood up, Shana Ronda. I said, sit down, devil, and shut up. 
Because I knew the character of that person. And God, and first of all, more than, it wasn't me, it was God that said to do that. And let me tell you something, if God's speaking, in, in, a, in a, he ain't going to sit down and shut up. But that woman sit down and shut up and came to the altar and repented because of the stuff that was in her life. She knew she was just trying to draw attention to herself. Let me tell you something, Holy Ghost don't interrupt himself. I'm up there preaching like a wild man by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden you're going to tell me the Holy Ghost is going to interrupt himself? Uh-uh. That ain't how it flows. That's how order. God's got our order. It's 1144. My God. 1144. Makes it different when I talk like this. It's 1144, people. Glory to God. I got 16 minutes. My father. So here's the thing. I am really coming to a close. It hit me. I'd like, I've been pastoring this church for 25 years almost. I've been preaching for 30 years. And it ain't never occurred to me that today there are three elements that happen once a year. It's almost like, and it, listen, there's nothing supernatural in the sense of magical about today. I'm not saying that today the Lord is stronger than he is any other day. That's ridiculous. But it's almost like God allows us on our calendar to be refreshed and reminded once a year on the actual 100% biblically accurate day to remember what happened on that biblically accurate day in Acts chapter 2. But yet we have congregations who are determined to rip out the experience of suddenly. I'm going to be honest with you and real with you. If you were to take out the encounter of the baptism of the Holy Ghost fire in my life, I truly don't believe, number one, I would not be preaching today. Number two, I probably wouldn't be married today. Number three, I would probably, and I'm not, this ain't some preacher comment, I'm telling you the truth, I probably wouldn't even be in church today. And number four, I might even be dead today. Now, I'm not saying that people that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and all that are somehow not Christian. I'm not saying that because here's the reality. You ain't got to speak in tongues go to heaven. You ain't got to have fire on top of your head to go to heaven. The Bible says repent. Remember what I said earlier? Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance is what gets you into heaven. So we're going to be in heaven with people that don't believe necessarily the way we believe in doctrinal issues of the Holy Spirit, and I'm fine with that. I'm just telling you about me. I'm just telling you that once you have tasted of the Lord and seen that he is good, there ain't no way, there ain't no way I could ever go to a church that don't believe in suddenly. I've had so many moments where I needed a suddenly. I've had so many moments where I needed God to kick in the door and suddenly breathe on me and bring me from death to life. How many knows what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, I need a suddenly. Get up on your feet and shout, I need suddenly. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. Here's one more thing I want to tell you, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. 
And then we're going to go eat us something, get a little rest, and then we're going to set our alarms so that we will not sleep through tonight. We're going to wake ourselves up in a good time so we can splash some water in our face, and we're going to pack this house out tonight. And we are, watch this, watch this. Tonight is still when the day of Pentecost is fully come. And the things that are going to happen tonight are things that happen right after suddenly. The Bible said the church started growing so fast that the, the apostles laid hands on people, commissioned them in offices of ministry, and sent them forth to grow the church. So tonight what's going to happen in this place is not only is it on the day of Pentecost and it is the actual day of Pentecost, but we are going to also be doing what the church has been doing for 2,000 years, what Paul did, what Peter did, what James did. Come on, y'all hear me. That's what's going to happen in this place tonight. So here's what I want you to get. The day of Pentecost, you ever heard penta? What does penta mean? Five. Pentagon, pentagram. Penta means five. So we, we understand Pentecost is five zero, 50. It's what Pentecost means, 50. Think about this. Number one, today is the day of Pentecost, right? 50 days since Passover. Today, 50 also is the number of Jubilee. 50 is the number of that means debt is canceled. Slaves are set free. The prison doors are open. Go study it. Debt is forgiven and paid off. The things that were stolen from you, you get back. You hear me? That's today, 50. When you pull out of this parking lot today and when you pull back in this evening, you will drive by a big old giant sign out there, and right in the middle of the front of that sign, you can barely see it, but because Brother Larry, where you at, Larry, my gardener, my green tooth, Larry? Praise God, what an amazing man he is. He's brought some rose bushes that are gigantic, and you know what else? He's got some ivy that's growing around that mailbox, and if you don't look for it, you'll miss it. But slow down a little bit when you come in tonight. Don't cause a wreck on 79, but slow down enough to look at the mailbox, and right on the front of the mailbox is two numbers. Every time I pull in this parking lot, my eyes go right to it. It says 50-50. Hey! So watch this. 50-50 is double jubilee. Oh! So here's what you got to get, Solid Rock. Every time you come into this house, number one, the day of Pentecost has fully come. Number two, you showing up on 50, which you get to decide every Sunday. You ought to do it every day. But every Sunday, you ought to get up and say, praise God, baby, get up. Today is Jubilee. So it's 50 days. Every day is that. But when you pull in this parking lot, you celebrate 50 days. You celebrate Jubilee. And I ain't trying to say we better than anybody else, okay? But there ain't no other church anywhere around here 
that gets to pull in and reminded that this is not just a place of jubilee. This is a place of double jubilee. Give him praise. Give him praise for 5050 Pinson Valley Parkway, Birmingham, Alabama. So when them preachers come in tonight, when them churches come in tonight, can I tell you something? There's, there's two churches. Listen to this. These are two planning churches. That One of them is within their first year. One of them is within their, their second year. They have chosen to come up under this ministry. They both have Sunday night services. They're a small but growing church. They have canceled their services so that all everybody that's connected with their pastor can come to Duke Double Jubilee to get what's flowing in this house. People are being attracted to the influence, not of us personally or me personally, but of the, the mantle that is on this house. So come, come early. The doors are going to open at 5.30. If you want to come in and just start praying, it's okay. Come in and just start praying because tonight is not just a graduation service. Tonight is just not a night where people's going to get certificates. Tonight is an empowering, equipping, releasing, and sending. This is what I think is going to happen tonight, y'all. I think tonight is going to culminate when all those pastors are up here and are all being ordained and hands being laid on them. I believe something suddenly is going to happen in this house tonight. And something is going to set down on each one of us tonight. I truly believe it. I truly believe we will never be the same after tonight. Do you already feel something different this morning? I already feel it. Do you feel it in this house? Something is different. That's not hype. Something is different. So church, I'm going to ask you. If you want... That suddenly moment, if you want to live in that day, every day of your life, if you want the fire of God, every day of your life on your life, I want you to come and stand around this altar. Just stand. Fill these altars full right now. I'm going to pray over you as your pastor. Come on. Come on. Fire. 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 Don't let, don't let that scare you. Don't let that scare you. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. When it had fully come, don't let it scare you. Don't let it scare you. Listen, listen, listen. I want you to raise your hands and begin to worship him in your way. But here's something that's going to sound strange to some of you. But when you open your mouth, I want you to praise him. But I don't want you to praise them in your known language. I want you to open your heart, and I want you to open your mouth. And if the Holy Spirit's going to begin to speak to you right now. You ain't got to be loud. Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, Holy Spirit baptism right now on the day of Pentecost. This is the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit is speaking through you right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Lord's not going to let you fake it today. If you know your life is right with God, you start faking it, you'll stop. Just don't, don't, don't bring no fake stuff. But the Holy Spirit's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. Come on, stir up that gift of God that's within you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hear that. 
See, you don't know what to pray. Your spirit can be found praying for you. If you need direction, your spirit can be found praying for you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost is fully come. It's fully come. We're in one place. Now we need to get in one accord. Now we need to get in one accord. Now we need to get in one accord. God didn't ask you, does it make sense? God said, do you believe? Do you believe if it's in the Word of God, it's of God? He didn't ask you if you can prove it. He didn't ask you even, even if, you, if you just, you know, you, you've got all the evidence that you need. No, no, if it's in the Word of God, here's what we need to say. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Let me tell you something. Look at me, church. Look at me, church. Stop praying and look at me for a second. Look at me, church. This past week, I preached a three-night revival in what used to be known as the Trafford Church of God. Now it's called Oasis of Hope. Great pastor there. Great congregation. He asked me to come preach revival. It was the first time I preached a three-night revival in I don't know how many years. What was so special about it was in that building was every foundation of my life. And I, I'm telling you, of, of my ministry and my life with my wife, I met her in that building. I gave my life back to God as, a, as a, just a kid, basically, in the youth group. At the, I could take it to the exact spot of that altar. I, 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 when I was walking around that little stage, I saw Chris Owens being the spirit standing there preaching at that revival in 1988. No, 1989. 1989, preaching that revival in October, I believe it was. And, and he was preaching in that revival. And I, I, I went over, and they used to have it open, but I, now they've got it closed in with a wall, and there's a door there. And I opened that door, and I walked in, and I saw the exact spot of carpet on the other side of that little wall where I stood isolated by myself when everybody else was in the altar and everybody else was being filled with the Spirit. And I'd ask the Lord to fill me with this Holy Ghost for three nights straight. And I, and I was the last one in the altars, the first one in the altar, the last one in the altar. They had to flip the lights on me. I was so drunk in the Holy Ghost the last night, they literally had to pick me up and carry me to my little Ford Ranger pickup truck. And my wife had to drive home because I could not even drive. I was so drunk in the Holy Ghost. But but I had, I had looked at the baptism of the Holy Ghost through the eyes of religious teaching. And I was so scared to do something that was not of God that I had hindered myself from being open to God. I couldn't find a way to trust God that He trusted me to not let me do something that was unbiblical at that point. I, had not, I did not have enough confidence in my relationship with God until I got in that side room by myself because I had gone through the whole ritual. You know how we did it. Back in those old days, it'd be like, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. Hold on, hold on, let go, hold on, let go. There's a stamina lip. You got it, you got it. So I was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. As long as somebody did that, they're like, there it is, there it is. And I went through all of that. I didn't know what God was going to call me to do at that time, but I knew God was calling me to do something. And I knew what I needed to do it was more than, of an encounter than what I had. So I got in that side room. I'll never forget it. And I walked back in that room this week, and I stood on the exact spot. And I'm telling you, the emotions overtook me. And I looked through that door, and I could see Chris standing there. And I remember raising my hands. And I remember saying, God, I've given you everything. You know my heart. And God, if I'm going to preach your gospel, I have to have your power. 
So, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I believe. Fill me with your spirit. And I raised both my hands and I opened my mouth. And I could hear God inside of me saying, Speak. Speak this. And I spoke it in the natural. It didn't make any sense to me. But I spoke it. And when it came out of me, it came out of me like a river. And it changed my life. And I'm going to tell you, years later, when I was going through stuff with my kids, or my kids were sick with a deathly fever, I didn't have to get off on a side room and ask God to do something. He was on me and in me. And without ever even thinking about it, the Holy Ghost would come upon us and we'd pray over our kids. We'd pray in the Spirit. And devils would run from our kids. You need this in your life. You are not any less of a Christian if it hasn't happened. Okay? Because that's where I was. I'd come to the altar over and over and over and over again. Everybody else would talk about what an encounter they had. And I'd say, what's wrong with me? You may be like me. You may need to get away from the crowd. You may need to not respond just to Pastor Larry. You may need to put some worship music on, go in your bedroom, and lock the door, and fall on your face. When nobody sees you, nobody can hear you. And watch God suddenly fill that room and cloven tongues like as a fire sit on you. So don't you let the devil beat you up because something didn't happen for you just by coming up to this altar. No, the first step was you coming up to this altar because what that said to God is you're hungry. You're hungry. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Do you receive it? You've been blessed today? Give Jesus a praise right now. Come on. Come on. Give him a praise.